One day we'll get an opening theme track. Maybe after this season is over, my student, if he's listening to this right now, will finally get my intro music done. I said I'd pay him. I said I'd pay him. I have a student who, um, he's in a band. He's in like a metal band. Uh, or punk metal it's like our death core something like that (laughs) (laughs) he showed me a song and it was really good um he showed me a soundcloud song it's really good um so i'm i asked him to make a to make a opening title uh track for us and i was like it can be metal it can be death core i don't really care as long as it's something original um that was two months ago (laughs) <laughs> so and uh the school year is almost over so we might get that we might not get that uh i wish i just knew more p- musicians i guess anyway welcome to the review podcast i'm anthony i'm brie and this is a podcast in which we review movies we watch a movie at least one of us has seen before at least one time and then we just talk about it we just gab about it. What we like. We got the maybe, gift of gab. Do we? Do we? I th- maybe we do. Um, what we like, what we don't like, you know, some of the background, some of the cool like directorial things, cool acting things, cool movie things, because we here at the Review Podcast, we just love movies. We love movies. We love movies. Um, so here we are. Hi, Bree. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing good. I had a really eventful um morning i uh went over and got my oil changed at my brother-in-law's house because why go to an actual mechanic when your brother-in-law is a mechanic yeah i just go to uh the good old jiffy lube and he said never to go to jiffy lube just go to him i i've never had an issue um maybe it's because you're a man but i've been ripped off by a jiffy lube before no you've been ripped off by i'm gonna throw them under the bus we'll never get a sponsorship by them uh the hyundai people <laughs> i've been ripped off by everyone i'm like i'm more willing to pay more if like connor does work on my car sure i like i wanted to bring him lunch and they're like no thanks and i was like okay i'm gonna pay you extra money so that you guys can put it towards your dinner mm-hmm. as like a thank you and he's like thanks so much for the tip and i'm like i feel like i need to tip you because you do this work out of your house and you do all this like you do all this stuff for our it's family like really so when i was with you the first time you got connor to change your oil and the way that their house is there's that driveway that leads into he had like three cars in the back because he's crazy he was doing work on um other cars as well so the way Bree's sister and and her fiance their house is structured it's like kind of um it's packed into like two na well they're on a corner right no they have a neighbor on both sides they have a neighbor on both sides yeah they just have like over an acre of land so they have this big field this big backyard but they have like a little like driveway that you can roll your car and get into the backyard that's kind kind of on the side of the house and it's scary like so super narrow it's super narrow and you have to essentially back up out of that, right? Oh, he turned my car around so oh, I could drive okay. forward. He's that, like, that would that be much easier. <laughs> yeah, he was super nice this time. And then I dyed eggs with my sister while I waited because, like, she was making eggs for Easter tomorrow because mm-hmm. this is where we're recording on the Saturday before Easter, and she fed me some of this 
um, chicken cordon bleu casserole. And I was like, oh, my God, Anthony would love this. It I has do all love his chicken thing. cordon bleu. I have a funny story. Well, not a funny story, but a small little uh, anecdote. T- anecdote about chicken cordon bleu. When we went to college, you know, we went to the same college. We ate at the same dining center because our college was so big. But we ate you know, at different times. So, uh, uh, yeah, well, that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, so every, I don't know, maybe Wednesday, every other Wednesday. So they changed the menu for like the big things that were at the dining center, the, the home style. That's what they called it, right? Mm-hmm. The home style. And we had two dining centers. One was the bigger one, but less quality food. The other is the smaller one. It's a little bit further away from the main campus and the quad, but it's better quality food. We would go to the bigger one with less quality food quite often because we lived around there at the at the different dorms. And um, so I'd, I'd walk my way over to the dining center and I would get stoked because like every other week, they would have chicken cordon bleu at the home style. And I'd be like, F yeah, like give me some chicken cordon bleu. <laughs> That's my story. Good story. <laughs> my favorite days in the dining center were when they had that garlic cheese pizza. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I love chicken tender day. Chicken you, tender day was stressful. Chicken tender day is sh- and wing so barbecue wing day. What Buffalo Brittany wing. and I used to do, we would first go down and eat the chicken tenders. Then you go out and you come back in and you get a box. Yes. And then you would box. Because the, you, were you on the unlimited dining plan? No, I had the 14. So two meals a day, yeah. technically. And then like a ton of flex. Mm-hmm. But we would get chicken tenders so then we could have it later in the night for like dinner. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good move. I My first year at uh, university, I had the unlimited dining plan. And I eventually went down because I was like... You get more flex with the 14. You get more flex dollars, which means you can go to like the subway that's in the dorm or the vending machines. Or, or the Einstein's. The Einstein's bagels. And you or the McAllister's. Yeah. And you can use your flex dollars to eat there. Um, but I, I eventually went down from the unlimited to the 14 meals a week thing. And I was just fine with that. But when I had the unlimited, I would do almost the same thing. I'd go in, I'd go out, I'd go back in and get a box and, you know, dip and go back to my dorm. Um, I forgot where I was going. Chicken tender day. (laughs) Chicken tender day. He likes chicken. So, like, if I'm going to make something, it's got to be chicken. It's got to be ground beef. It's got to be shredded pork. Because that's, like, the new um, meat I introduced to Anthony's diet. Sure. Yeah. We bought a ham. So maybe I could make this with the leftover ham. Cordon Bleu? Brie. <laughs> Brie. You speak in my language now. And then we have chicken. And I could just... Bread the chicken? And well, put no. Some... No. So the it's recipe... It's like a chicken Kiev, right? No. So no. The chick- the recipe she gave, it's a casserole. So it's like you slice up chicken. You slice up ham. You mix in like noodle, like the egg noodles. And like... It was really good. Put it on the menu. I will. Let's do it. Um, anyway, chicken tender day and buffalo wing day was always the busiest at the dining center. So you would have to like strategize when you're going to go to the dining center or else you're waiting in line for a while. And then you might go up there and they're like, no, we ran out. Like you got to wait another 20 minutes before they come back with more. You know what? It was also a really stressful day. What? Valentine's day at the dining center. I don't remember that. You don't remember eating steak and lobster at the dining center? I think I avoided... Well, the steak was always, like, super tough. $2 steak. Tougher than a $2 steak. No, 
I, I, I actually enjoyed the Valentine's and Day. And I never food. trusted the seafood at the dining. Center. Oh, I had the crab legs at the. That's a that's a story for another time. Yeah, I never trusted. I said, mm, maybe this is not where I want to get my seafood. Um, I trusted them. I would in my senior year when I lived at the frat house, I would go to student teach in my that last semester of my senior year, and then I would come back to uh, university at around five o'clock. I'd get home, and I'd go straight to the dining center. And I just pack a box full of like noodles and Alfredo <laughs> and just like chill with my noodles and Alfredo. Or I, my thing was I would get like a cheeseburger every day. And I don't know how I I am the way I am and look the way I look right now be, and, and am as healthy as I am right now. I don't now. think you're healthy. I think you're skinny fat. Yeah, that makes more sense probably. <laughs> well, healthy as in like... I'm not like my cholesterol isn't oh, like yeah, crazy true, true, true. high right now because um, I would in my first like two years at school. He I only have, ate like hamburgers, be, like chicken, tenders, red meat. Yeah. And pizza. <laughs> Straight red meat and pizza and soda. You know, I miss the dining center. I wish. I miss it so much. I, I wish we lived somewhere like, OK, so I follow this girl on TikTok and unfortunately she's left um beijing but she worked in beijing and she lived in an apartment complex that her work paid for and the the place where she lived the apartment complex came with two free meals from a cafeteria a day and i'm like where can i find a, a apartment complex that in your apartment there is a place where you can go eat and it's free for two meals a day i would never cook i'm like anything just go to the the dining center oh, yeah. of my apartment yeah and you know what i thought about this when i was leaving college because well i I had a meal plan i think pretty much every year except for my junior year where we had a cook come into the frat house but he was like terrible so um ended up with a dining plan after that and then i thought about it like when i was leaving college i'm like ah man this kind of sucks because it's so nice to have your choices made for you i wonder if there are apartments in the united states where there are cafeterias uh, probably in the... very high high priced i i would bet i'm gonna look it up but because yeah. i think we should move there <laughs> oh okay yeah you me and all that money i don't have okay anyway um before we get into it brie before mm-hmm. we get into the movie that we're discussing today because what is the movie we're discussing today jurassic world 2 or jurassic world fallen kingdom yes jurassic world fallen kingdom we are finishing off our jurassic park series so we're ending our two um series that we started with today in halloween and the jurassic park franchise but i want to make um an announcement very quick and we can get into it more at the end of the podcast but to uh leave our listeners on bated breath for our uh discussion about this later on I have been talking for the past few weeks about doing an episode on all of the unmade Halloween movies now that we've finished the franchise. So I'm reading this book, Taking Shape 2, and as I'm getting into it and as I'm reading more about all these unmade Halloween movies and what they're about, I sat there and I thought, well, I don't want to just regurgitate everything that the authors of this book are saying because that's essentially what I would be doing on the podcast and we would just be talking about it. 
I don't want to do that because I don't want to like be that guy who ruins books. You know what I mean? Or it's like if you want the if you want the stories, just buy the book. It's like ten bucks. It's not it's not expensive. I don't want to be that guy that is just like spoiling the book and it's like, well, I guess I don't have to buy the book now because we got the story from Anthony on the review podcast. I don't want to be that guy. So um, we're not going to do that episode. We're going to we're going to cut it. We're going to cancel that episode. And um, maybe we'll do something along the lines of that later. But I, I kind of am eager to move on to our next series that we're going to be doing. Yeah. So our next um, adventure, we're going to take off a week next week next week there will not be a review podcast um so that we can really record and get into um get ahead for the podcast we are going to take a break with series and we're going to go into directors and really explore um movies directed by different actors so both anthony and myself have chosen directors uh, a director each and we've picked movies um, that really show highlight those directors mm. and what we believe is their best work. So this is what I'm affectionately calling our summer director actor series um, because we're going to be doing pre- this pretty much. We, we've got our next four months. Yeah. So we're going to do well, directors uh, first. I, I, we'll save the announcement for the end, the end of the podcast okay. on what exactly we're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to hit up the director series. So Bree and I have both chosen a director to focus in on and talk about a couple select movies in their filmographies, things that we appreciate, movies that we love. And then um, we went actors as well. So actors, actresses that have a wide depth of range in their performances as leading men or women. And uh kind of putting that together and saying, okay, this is how we can kind of plot out this actor's uh, filmography and the trajectory of their career and how they've evolved as an actor as well. So we'll get into that a little bit more um, towards the end of the podcast today, and we'll give you more information on that come the end. So stick around. Hopefully you stick around and you get a little glimpse into our summer series, our director and actor um series yeah i said series twice i mean we will take a a little bit of a break during that series because the new jurassic world movie comes out in the middle of summer um but keep your eyes and ears open for that but we're gonna dive into this um movie because you know i enjoy dinosaurs and it's time to dino it up dino it up yep wait so uh so brie hold on to your butts because we are heading into Jurassic World 2. So let's get started. Jurassic World 2, directed by J.A. Boyea. Is that how you pronounce his name? I wouldn't know. Boyea? I, excuse me, J.A., if you're listening to this, that I uh, I wrote your name and um, I wrote it in such a, sh- a horrible, shitty handwriting that I can't read it. So, um, this is not directed by Colin Trevorrow, but Colin Trevorrow very much does have his fingerprints on this movie. Um, Trevorrow directed the last movie, is directing the next movie, but he chose not to direct this one because he felt as though the franchise needed a fresh perspective of directorial 
choice and vision. Um, so I, as I was looking up a little bit of the background history of this movie, I was looking at um, I was looking at what Spielberg had to say about this movie because he still is an executive producer. Spielberg kind of let Colin Trevorrow and um, the director for this movie kind of have a free-for-all it's like you give me your original idea but i have the final say in it so trevorow who wrote the movie co-wrote the movie as well wanted to go in a slightly different direction than the franchise had gone before where he said he wanted it to be a little bit less episodic like the other jurassic park movies were where it's like on this episode of jurassic park you know ian malcolm releases a t-rex into new york um, it's, do a, that? it's a little, it's a little, uh, less episodic and a little bit more of moving through a story arc that's ultimately going to lead to something starting off with Jurassic World and finishing off with Jurassic World Dominion, um, in 2022. So there was a different direction, um, and, and it's very glaring, the direction change that they went in, in this movie. The movie was made on a $187 million budget, and it grossed $1.3 billion globally, making it one of the highest-grossing movies of 2018. Um, so this Jurassic World franchise, pretty big. Pretty big franchise, Brie. I think what they're, what they're able to do um, with the money that they put in to the money that they get out, that's how you determine a good movie. Well, yeah, how much it grosses, yeah, right? You, like that, you're thinking like a studio exec, Brie. You're thinking like a studio exec. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good the movie actually is. What matters is butts in seats. Well, I would argue that what was the movie Disney put like a ton of money into John it. Carter of Mars. And it didn't even make the money back that they put into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a stinker. That's a bomb. Yeah, <laughs> you would call that a box office bomb. Um I, I there's there's been a couple of like notable movies like I think Star Wars was a bomb at first and I think the I think Jaws might have been a, I don't remember Jaws but there was a couple of movies that like have been that have been box office bombs but they become cult classics and they make up the money mm -hmm. that they didn't make yeah yeah oh there's a movie I was just reading about the other day that was like that that be is it a recent movie no it's an older movie. From what decade? I don't even know. Oh I, I wish I could name the movie because it became a cult classic. And now it, like it's one that we didn't, didn't think was a bomb because we we watch it all the time now. Friday the 13th? No. I'll, I'll come up with it and I'll, I'll meet you on the next podcast. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, so we uh, have Jurassic Park 2 subtitled Falling Kingdom starring Chris Pratt. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard. I like her. Uh, James Cromwell. Okay. Uh, other actors. Not notable. Not very notable. Um, there's that one dude. I can't remember his name. Justice something. He plays Franklin Webb. Uh, he was also in Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like him. He's, 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 I, I said that during the movie. I'm like, I like this actor. I wish he was in more stuff. I was like, oh, he has been in more stuff, but then I could not name Detective Pikachu for the life of me. Because it was such a forgettable movie. 
like it was i like detective pikachu and maybe we review it on the podcast at one point when we do video game movies that would be a good one however um overall i think detective pikachu is a very forgettable movie because they just never capitalized on it it, they could have made a sequel. Why don't just make a freaking Pokemon sequel? You know, Detective Pikachu, they, um, I forget what the Rhyme Town, Rhyme City, that was the place that it's located. And Rhyme City isn't in any of the games because they wanted everything to be kind of separated from the games so that eventually they'd be able to branch off into like the Kanto region or the Johto region. I don't think we're very clear in Detective Pikachu what region rhyme city is in but that's a, i guess a story for another day <laughs> and it's just, from Hong welcome Kong. to the detective uh, <laughs> jesus okay let's just move on um can... we open up this movie um God. and i'm gonna tell you anthony and i walked in this movie i'm horrible i was talking the entire time in well the, we, we in the in the beginning i was like oh it opens up with an underwater sub and they're opening into that like marine enclosure in jurassic world and i they're going to get the indominus rex skeleton from the bottom of the marine pool and i said the dinosaur is still there i was like do they think mosasaurus is just gone like where would it go i think they i mean there are a lot of like weird writing decisions in this movie but when when you mention it like that it's like did they not know what killed the Indominus Rex? I'm like, did they not think Mosasaurus was still there? Like, where, where do you think this behemoth of a dinosaur goes? Like, it was trapped it's a, in it's there. It's an underwater dinosaur. And I was like, okay, this is silly. And I'm just like, I wrote, they gonna get eat. And then when they did get eat, I said, told is the you island, is, <laughs> is the island flooded? No, I think it was just raining. I'm pretty sure it was flooded because I remember seeing... Okay, so let me break it down like this. Here's what I found more impressive than this movie. Okay. Our 4K TV. Oh, yeah. It was we got beautiful. a new TV recently. <laughs> and, and I have I, the 4K yeah, version of this DVD. This is may- maybe my first time seeing like anything 4K. And I we put on the movie and I was like, Brie, the picture looks so good. Oh, yeah. We, just, so good. we were like constantly talking about it. And I was just so impressed by the picture that I think I think it enhanced my experience of this movie. I don't think I would have liked the movie. I mean, I d- did I like the movie? Eh, it was all right. But I don't think I would have liked it as much as I did if it wasn't for the 4K. And the 4K was nice. I have like several problems with the beginning of this movie. So not only... Do they not realize or don't expect Mosasaurus to still be there? It's the guys who are still working on the island. And I'm like, did they assume there would be no dinosaurs on this island? I was like... It seems like everybody went on this island and... And were unaware that there were dinosaurs still there. Yeah. What do they think all the dinosaurs died in three years? I don't don't know. And so, unfortunately, a guy... um, Like, the guys in the helicopter... They're like one of the guys are like, come on, let's go. And he's like, what's going on? And like it's the T-Rex pops up behind him and they get to the point where he gets on the ladder and they're like going to cut the ladder because the T-Rex is like holding down the the um, the helicopter. But then they break the ladder breaks away and they get safe from that. But then the guy gets ate by Mosasaurus anyway. 
Well, okay, so you're moving quick. You're moving quick. Because that's really the beginning of the... So we have the... the This movie plays around with lighting, like, flashes and shadows a lot. It's something that I noticed in the movie as, as we watch. I think the movie plays around with shadows quite often. And really what we see here is, like, it, you want to play with suspense. The reason you play with flashes is to play with suspense so like the dude is working and it's pouring rain and then we see the lightning flash and behind him is the t-rex you see the t-rex behind and they do him. the same thing with the underwater sub yes behind the underwater sub there's that big shadow of mosasaurus well, they, they do it a lot later in the movie too with the indoraptor where i think what they considered as really good visual is shadows of dinosaurs or dinosaurs against light and not not saying that they're wrong it's great visual but i think you're doing it too much and i don't think that i don't think this movie uses shadow and lighting or like flashes of light in a way that is saying much because usually you would want to use a, a technique like that if you're trying to get something across with the theme you know you're trying to express something i don't think we were expressing much i think they were just like oh that looks freaking cool or like it's kind of like setting up the scariness of this whole situation so when mosasaurus gets that guy on the ladder the guys on the helicopter get away but that's kind of like very traumatic and they forget they opened the marine area to the rest of the ocean to get in and they did not close it back up so Mosasaurus gets out. Mosasaurus gets out, but they have succeeded in excavating the bones of the Indominus Rex. Because before the sub got eight, they put it up to the surface and the helicopter was able to grab that. Right, right. Um, Now, what this leads us to is what I wrote as an interesting opening title scroll or opening title. Like It was more ominous. Break it's a little bit more ominous. No, I'm talking about like when they actually like pop to the opening title, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, because you can see like it's like a very um, uh, uh, interestingly designed CG sequence of magma creating the Jurassic Park logo and everything. I was like, man, it must have taken a lot of work to put that one together. <laughs> and it's not because I, I, I think of like the opening for the last couple of movies that we've watched like Halloween and Halloween kills where it's very creative and simple in how you give your opening title to the audience. You pop to your opening title. This one, I felt like it was just like, there was a lot going on, you know, and it was cool, I guess, but I don't know what I'm trying to say. Am I critical of it? I, I mean, it was a different opening than we are used to. Yes. I don't think we've ever had like a very expertly made opening title like that in a Jurassic Park movie. Usually it's like visuals of the island or visuals over the sea. And then like the pot, the titles goes across there and you hear the And this we didn't get that. I don't think we get that. Do we get that music at all in this we movie? Do, we do. Okay. We I do. must have missed it. Then. Um, it, it plays very lightly in the background in a few scenes. So I really enjoy that. Yeah. I'm going to 
uh, go into the next part, we we open up on like what I feel is lazy writing. Um, they explain that three years since the fall of the amusement park, uh, the volcano on the island is reclassified. Island Nublar. On Island Nublar is reclassified from dormant to active, and it's gonna blow. Okay. Yeah, because. I looked at you because we get all this exposition from the news. Oh, yes. what way to better give exposition and, and explain what's going on than have the news talk about it? Um, and I looked at you when they were talking about it, and I said, "Is th- like that's just?" I said, "That's just lazy writing." Yeah, because they they wanted a reason for this movie to happen, and they forced kind of like the reason for it to happen and i was like what would have happened to the amusement park that, and that's what they i spent said. billions of dollars making that amusement park and it would just be gone so we, we established that jurassic world closed three years prior to where we're at right now so in this news broadcast they're talking about the volcanoes now active the volcanoes going it's an extinction level event that's going to kill all the dinosaurs on island nublar which has pretty much been abandoned since the park closed and now the idea is, well, what do we do with the dinosaurs? Are they animals that are uh, eligible to be saved from the island? Or should we just let an act of God take over and do what it do what it will to... Uh, is that the proper... Does what it will? Did yes. what it will? Do, what mean, it, do what it does to the dinosaurs. And we get reintroduced said, to some of our characters well, through this Well, I said, you fact. know... As well. I was like, okay, so what would they have done if the park was still in operation? Because three years is not a long time. And I feel like I'm no geologist. I'm no seismic expert. But you should know about this stuff. But I'm betting that somebody would have noticed that the volcano was going to erupt at some point before the volcano was like active already. There's got to be scientists around that are saying, look, like at the time that Jurassic World takes place, the first Jurassic World, at the time that that takes place, I'm sure they had to have known about the volcano three years and you don't know that the volcano is going to become active. I find that very hard to believe. Now, maybe there's a geologist somewhere that's listening to this that says, no, you're talking out your ass. You don't know about volcanoes. I'm just, I just feel like it's very, they made it happen. And through this volcano and through this debate about. I'm saying they got lucky with the park closing. Yeah. The park was going to close anyway. Uh, Yeah. That's what I'm feeling. Like they, they lucked out because imagine losing everything. Because of a volcano. Because of a volcano. And I'm just. I mean, what would you, how would you rather lose the park? Dinosaur attack or volcano? I mean, volcano. Volcano would be. Because then you get the insurance money with volcano. Natural disaster insurance. Does that count? Do volcanoes count as nat- natural disaster insurance? Yeah, na- volcano eruptions are a natural disaster. So if a volcano destroys your car, natural you, disaster, the insurance has to pay out for it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know volcanoes counted because they happen so like rare. I guess it's rare that a volcano is active and erupts. Act of God, my friend. Um, and through this, like God. these news things, we get introduced, reintroduced to our characters. So we have. Um, 
Malcolm. Ian Malcolm is at a congressional like hearing. S- it's a Senate hearing about conservation of these animals or like saving these a- dinosaurs. Well, he's making an an argument for not saving them. That let them be extinct. These are animals that were already extinct. Malcolm is saying it's might as well. It, it's be- it's a correction by nature. Yeah, he's like we messed with the natural order. Let nature correct itself because he believes that just like the nuclear um, like issue we had where it was a like a race for everyone in the world to get nuclear power, the same thing will happen with genetics. And I think that's what the next movie is leading to. Colin Trevorrow has said before that he kind of wants the trilogy to move in a direction of, well, say InGen is Mac and they've created dinosaurs. Well, what happens when PC can also do the same thing? And you've got like 15 different companies all creating different dinosaurs, you know, similar to how you get like a bunch of different phone companies that you've cracked the code and now you're all doing it a little bit differently. So I think that's where the the next movie is heading and the direction that the next movie is heading. But um, so this is, again, where I think lazy writing, because now that we've watched all of these, it, I've, I'm getting frustrated talking about, like thinking about how to express this because it feels to me like the people who made this movie didn't watch the other ones because when they're having this big debate about saving the dinosaurs, rescuing them off of the island, because they say, oh, the dinosaurs are all going to die on Nublar. And it's going to be an extinction. We're going to see these dinosaurs go extinct again. We got kind of confused because... We got kind of confused. Because in past movies, Isla Sorna Mm -hmm. was left as like a a nature preserve. At the end of The Lost World, Hammond succeeds in getting Isla Sorna to be a conservation, a wildlife conservation for dinosaurs, where it's like this, just this island where dinosaurs can roam free. So we were confused because it's like, is this not, is Isla Sorna, like are two and three not canon? We have reason to believe that two and three are not canon, but... Because because of the lack of mention of Isla Sorna. They do mention Isla Sorna, but they don't mention the conservatory of Isla Sorna. Because they make a passing reference in the beginning of the movie to Isla Sorna. But it's nothing that they focus on. And they don't talk about the wildlife conservation that has been established there in the Lost World. Where my question is, why are we discussing taking the dinosaurs off of Nublar and bringing them somewhere else when we can just put them on Sorna, put them on Sorna, which is like not too far away. That's why we were confused. Um, maybe we're, we're mistaken. Maybe we're mistaken. Like maybe, maybe I'm so three options here. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong and we're mistaken and we missed something. Maybe two and three are not canon to the franchise. Or maybe they messed up. <laughs> or option three is, we're just going to have to wait and see for the next movie because our legacy characters are all coming back and there's no way that they bring Alan Grant back without mentioning the 2001 Isla Sorna expedition. I'm really excited to see some of our beloved characters come back. Mm -hmm. Um, We all know I'm a big Alan Grant fan. Um, I'm excited to see those characters come back because I think that's what we're missing. We're missing a paleontologist. 
We have a paleo vet. We have a paleo vario, paleo veterinarian. Paleo veterinarian. Um, um, anyway, so that's where went, that's um, where at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's where we were confused in the movie, I guess, and we were like, "Is this lazy writing? Are we missing something? Or are they just not bringing it up until the next movie?" Which I guess we're gonna have to hold our judgment on that until June when yeah. the next movie comes out. And then we have we're reintroduced to our Claire. leading lady Claire, and she has started like a like a nonprofit kind a of nonprofit, or what I'm thinking is like a almost like a pack like a political action committee where she's trying to to get senators to vote for like intervening she, she start, she's it's a special I'm a politics teacher it's a special interest group so what a special interest group will do is like they'll have an interest in mind hence save the dinosaurs and they will try to lobby congress people into their cause so claire's a lobbyist at this point right She's trying to get Congress people on board with saving the dinosaurs or doing stuff with a wildlife conservation um, or conservatory in, um, I don't know, wherever they want these dinosaurs to go. But essentially what their organization is doing is lobbying Congress people to try and save the dinos. And you have to think, I I think why Claire has become this character is that she hasn't really reconciled with the fact that she played God in the first Jurassic World, and she now feels like she has to protect these animals. But I don't understand why Claire is so intent on saving the dinos when I told you when we watched the movie, I said, Dino try to kill me. I don't care if they die. I'm I'm I would have to I would have to agree with Claire at this point. Like the, the being passionate about dinosaurs and being passionate about animal conservation. And what we get to is the government decides not to get involved. They're going to let nature take its course and Congress says and I have to agree with Congress here in a wild uh, in a wild twist in of a events. wild twist of events when I actually agree with the fictional Congress. Congress says a, this is a private island. We have no jurisdiction over there. B, um, this is an act of God. So we just have to let the act of God take over, right? And I said this is a good call. I think Congress makes a good call here. And I think Claire and Owen and all of the rest of the, the crew make bad calls throughout I this mean, whole movie. And as we see at the very end of the movie, uh, yeah, pretty bad call. I mean, their bad call affects then the whole entire world. Literally the whole world. And At we'll least talk the about... continental United States and North America and South America. I don't know. Trevor Rouse says this next movie is going to go global. Which, okay. Which is crazy to me because, like, we're separated by continents. So if, like, all the dinosaurs are in North America, like, how are they getting over to, like, Asia? That's an interesting... Unless you're a pterodactyl. But, you know, compies are notorious for... They're kind of like ants. Like how ants were brought to the United States from Europe... Mm-hmm. And because they're an invasive species, like combies, at least in, and uh, raptors, because in the books, combies and raptors get to the mainlands of Costa Rica because they hitch rides on uh, shipping boats. This mm-hmm. is all about the like the books for a second. Just like but... the Black Plague, dude, with the rats. Yeah. So that's how it spreads. Um, the, we agree with the government, um, the, but Claire obviously feels differently she's gonna try to do whatever she can to save these animals if i was almost killed by dinosaurs i'd want them dead um she gets a call from like lockwood 
um, company, which Lockwood is, he, uh, he worked with Hammond. He was a silent partner. With Hammond. Um, and we, they, uh, Hammond and Lockwood had some sort of disagreement in the past, which is established. And also, you mentioned this, not to interrupt you, but you mentioned, I think this is a very important thing, is, and maybe this comes a little bit later, but this is the first time they call the dinosaurs clones. Yes. They, this is the first That's movie when, that they refer to the dinosaurs as clones. So that is something I bring up a little bit later, and I'll go, we'll go back into that when we come into that part of it. But we get introduced to Lockwood, and then the man who's taken over um, as his kind of like head of his company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want Claire to go to the island to save some of those dinosaurs. And she's like, I'm on board. And they're like, we really need you for your handprint to open up some of the, the tracking devices on the island. And we need you because you know someone who could help us get blue. Lockwood, Benjamin Lockwood, is played by um, leg- legendary actor James Cromwell, who puts on maybe one of the worst British accents I've ever heard in my life, where he can't decide uh, if he wants to be James Cromwell or if he wants to be british james cromwell so he does like kind of a mixture where it's like an on off i don't understand why he has to be british at all i don't understand that either why just not why because hammond hammond's british because written richard attenborough is but you know it's like america american dream greatest country in in the the world. world um so we get introduced to this old man there's like a little he's elderly he's sick he has his granddaughter with him he's got his nurse too and his nurse slash the the woman who's in charge of child rearing the granddaughter Mm -hmm. so we get introduced to all of them and she gets told like you need to get owen on board to come with well also uh uh, lockwood has the amber mosquito i noticed yes he's got hammond's stick well I th- I believe, or is it a separate? I think amber they mosquito. both had a stick, like maybe. Oh, I figured that that was Hammond's stick. Could be, could be, because Hammond, cane. yeah, because Hammond, um, does he? He passed. I don't know. Hammond's dead. Hammond's dead. Hammond's he, for sure dead. He didn't die the way he dies in the book, which is good. How I does think. Hammond die in the book? Um, he falls into a, <laughs> like he falls into a river. He gets out. He gets bitten by compies he his body goes numb and he gets eaten alive oh isn't there um somebody doesn't somebody die like that in jurassic park 2 yeah that one guy gets bit by uh-huh. a comp- and you kind of like they have like um the venom that they have kind of like paralyzes you if you get bit in large quantities so that's what happened to hammond oh in the books <laughs> so enough about hammond we pick up with claire is now going to find owen and well, okay. Can I mention a um, a line that I wrote down? Yes. Uh, talking more about James Cromwell. Yes, talking more about James Cromwell's um, not great British accent. And I, James Cromwell's a fine actor. He's a fine actor, but I think he was given pretty bad direction here. Because he's in a wheelchair and he's like quite old, and his nurse is like, "Oh, you need to take medicine," and he says. I wrote the quote, Ugh, my bloody medicines. And I was like, mystery illness. Okay. Mystery illness. Um, also, uh, kind of British. <laughs> kind of. Kind maybe of. like half British. And we'll, we'll get into the illness more because it plays a bigger part in like 
the later part of the the movie how would you how would you have directed that scene to make it better I don't even know because why do you even need to mention his medicines? He's an old person, of course he, did, he has medicines. He didn't even did he die? He didn't die because of his illness. No, he though. was murdered. Yeah. So the, il- the illness, like <laughs> the illness, didn't play a and role in anything. No, so he didn't even need to be ill. Ah, my bloody medicine. I guess he needed to be ill so that he had a reason why he wasn't really involved in his company and had no idea what was going on because he was like restricted okay. to a certain p- part of the house. But we're made to believe that this is almost like a terminal illness that he probably has. is. Yeah, I just wonder how you could have directed that sequence better to make James Cromwell James Cromwell instead of James Cromwell doing a crappy British accent and acting like half-assed. <laughs> I, I would have said, I think when she's like, "You got to take your medicines." If I'm James Cromwell, I would have been like, "Ugh, my medicine." Um. So we get. Like Owen and is building a house. Oh yeah, I wrote that down too. Um, oh, so the the lawyer said he wants to save the dinos. He tricks Claire. Right. Well, we we don't know. We that. don't know that yet. But he tricks Claire. He says he wants to save the dinos, but specifically he wants one dino and he wants blue. Did you mention this already? Yes. He wants oh. blue. Um, we don't know why I he wants... I was focusing too much on Cromwell. We don't know why he wants blue until a little blue, bit... Blue's the second smartest creature on the planet. Well, that's the reason he gives her. Mm-hmm. But that's not the real reason they want blue. And I'm going to go into the real reason right now because that's... It's, yeah, it's important. It. So the reason they want blue is because the Indoraptor that they are creating is part Indominus Rex... Part raptor. Okay, yeah. So I am dumb. Here's why I'm dumb. Because he asked what it was made of, and I said, yes. Indo. I said, what's in the Indo raptor? Indominus Rex raptor. Indo raptor. <laughs> I'm a friggin' idiot because I should have picked up on that. And I, in the, I've seen this movie. I saw this movie three years ago, almost four years ago, and I never picked up on that until like right now. and so they make a prototype of the indoraptor with indominus rex and a raptor genes but it's raised by itself in captivity which was the the problem with the with the original which was the problem with the indominus rex is that it didn't bond with anything it wasn't taught how to be like compassionate um so Wu henry Wu, who he's here again said we need to destroy this prototype. We need blue so that blue can raise the next generation of this animal. So then it follows command and it has compassion. It has all the character traits that blue has. Blue has empathy. Yes. Blue can show empathy, which makes blue much different than any other. Like, so we discussed the characterization of blue in this movie versus the last movie. Where in the last movie, everyone, even though Blue was very intelligent and Owen trusted Blue to an extent, he still treated Blue as a wild animal that at any time could turn because it was dangerous. It was a dinosaur. Where in Jurassic World, the first moment that he is like, uh, like face to face with Blue, he's cautious and he's like, I don't want to be anywhere near these animals right now. I still don't fully trust the raptors. But it felt like in this movie, we just like casually walked up to the raptors and we're like, hey, what's up, Blue? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it, it's insane. But 
they show a little like there's more of that later in the movie so owen and claire like they they bicker back and forth a little bit and she's like let me buy you a beer they go to well okay so i i wrote down a note here and i said they introduce owen in a flannel with the sleeves rolled up and he's building a house by himself on the seaside and manly man and i was like manly what stuff. a freaking man <laughs> what a real man's man like what better way to introduce your man character than making him do man stuff <laughs> like a man like breed. a man would do like a man what else would you would owen be doing like, I have probably nothing and owen else. and owen is such a and he was like this in in jurassic world but i do think that i think the handle on Owen is different in this movie as well. Because in the first Jurassic World, he seemed like he had his head on his shoulders and he wasn't like, he wasn't the adventurer, right? He wasn't like the action hero. He didn't start off like that, at least. He was just like, we got to get everybody off this island. We got to find these kids. We like, this is the job that he is doing right now. Whereas in this movie... I told you when we were watching this, I'm like, they so wanted Han Solo. They wanted to turn him into Han Solo because every line that he says in this movie is a quip. Everything is like a funny, like uh, one liner that can be said. And it's like, you can give Han Solo any one of these lines. Like they wanted him to be Harrison Ford so bad. They wanted Harrison Ford. It's like, how do we, who's the next leading man to take over in Harrison Ford's shoes? I hope not they don't choose this guy. They're trying. I I feel like right now they were just like, Chris Pratt can be the next Harrison Ford. No, he's too horrible of a person to be the next Harrison Ford. And I think he's too much of a comedic actor to be Harrison Ford. Like, I think of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and Peter Quill. That's not Harrison Ford, right? Like, that's more Chris Pratt than Harrison Ford. Uh, Who would be the next Harrison Ford? You gotta let Chris Pratt be Chris Pratt. Well, you would disagree with that, but... I hate him. uh, (laughs) He, I think... Chris Pratt, as charismatic as he is in being Chris Pratt and like being himself, you can't make him Han Solo and you can't make him Harrison Ford. Who would be the next Harrison Ford? I say this just off of the top of my head in terms of like, not just because he played Harrison Ford's son, but Adam Driver. I would agree. Adam Driver would be probably the next modern day Harrison Ford. I'd have to imagine at least because he can do action. He can do um, like the drama, the seriousness too. I would say probably Adam Driver if I'm going to go with anybody and not just because I like Adam Driver. Anyway, I, I just felt like the characterization of Owen was more action here. It's like how they treated Malcolm in Lost World where Malcolm wasn't an action-y guy in the first Jurassic Park movie, and he was just chaos theory. Chaos theory. He's a scientist, a mathematician, and now in Lost World, he becomes like a super a, cool action star. Yeah, that was really a change in character. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, when they meet back up together, she's telling him about it, and Owen has that same idea. That's like, yeah, just let them die. Like, he's okay with it. And she's like, but Blue... That's the smartest thing anyone said in this movie. He's like, but Blue, you raised her. And I think that's what gets him on that plane the next morning. 
That and that fact that Claire's going and you can tell he still has feelings for her. But she uses blue against him. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree because like he already had kind of made up his mind that he's like. It's whatever. What? It, so what are you really going to let blue die? And he goes, yeah, I am. I think w- more than blue, what gets him to go on that plane and go back to that island is her. Probably. He still loves her. And it's proven in this on um, the rest of this movie. So they get to this island. So who oh. who's going? No, it, before this, Brie, you missed the, before this. We get probably the best part of this oh, movie. Oh, baby blue. The baby raptor scene. Oh, with my God. Owen training we get the a baby couple raptors. of baby raptor scenes. So cute. I, think I went, oh, it my me- God. It melts my heart. Um, they dogify the hell out of these dinosaurs at this point. Yes, and I'm positive somewhere in that baby raptor scene, we did see baby Nelson. <laughs> baby, if, ne- if you remember, Anthony thought that the the fourth dinosaur's name was Nelson. The fourth raptor in the squad. Yeah, um, I'm fairly certain we saw baby Nelson. Yeah, we got uh, we got them all. We got Echo, Blue, <laughs> Blue, Delta, Delta. And, 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 and Nelson. What What is the name? The real name. Not Nelson, but who we is have, the fourth we one? We have El- Echo. Del- Echo. Echo Blue Delta. And. Nelson. No, it's not <laughs> Nelson. It's totally Nelson. Oh, my God. Why does this di- dinosaur's name always slip our mind? It's not. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I am, like, going back over here to my notes. Did you, you didn't write it down. Yes, I did. Charlie. Charlie. Oh, well, that's kind of similar to Nelson. Blue Delta Charlie Echo. LOL. Can they only... They only <laughs> Anthony said Nelson. <laughs> I think you forgot Echo's name the first time, though. You remembered Charlie. Charlie and Nelson are fairly similar names. Um, human names. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the, probably the best scene in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love the baby raptors. That one and the one where he's like cowering. We have the Funko Pop of um, Owen with baby blue. Oh, so cute. Um, Kills me every time. That's what I said in the Jurassic World. I'm like, if I were to pay money to go to Jurassic World, like thousands upon thousands of dollars for this immersive dinosaur experience, I wouldn't go anywhere on the path and like visit the dinosaurs in the wild. I would plant myself and keep my ass at the baby Triceratops petting zoo. Baby animals, the cutest part. So here's the people who get on this plane to go. So we have... The paleo veterinarian. Yes, whose name I don't know. Then we have the computer guy. Franklin. Franklin. We have Claire. Mm-hmm. And then Owen mm-hmm. is on this plane. And, and there's then, one other guy. And then there's the their guy, the mercenary guy. Yes. And um, I don't know his name either. Who cares? He's a jerk. Um, actually, so his- can I can I tell you what Trevor Rouse said about this movie? Sure. On uh, how he learned, quote, learned from um, Jurassic World. Um, he said... Based on the criticism of how they killed their first, how they had their first female death in the series and how everybody hated it and how everybody said, wow, the first female death in the series and you went completely overboard with it. And it was like crazy violent. Um, He said every move they wanted this movie to be every kill was earned. Like every death was earned. So a character that dies deserve to die and would you agree with that as everyone except the grandpop yeah well i mean killed by dinosaur oh yeah death death by dino 
Well, yeah, every single oh, we'll get into it. <laughs> but they so they we get onto the island, um, and they have her. It's this part goes really fast. I feel like their time on the island like flies by. Well, they're they're there and they're like, oh, we got a couple days until the volcano erupts. But it's like, it's like, but it's acti- like literally erupting. It's literally erupting right then. They go into like this underground kind of like chamber where to track the dinosaurs where they find blue on that thing. Right. And Owen goes, the paleo veterinarian goes and the mercenary guy and the team of guys go. Claire and Franklin are left at the the station. The station with like a couple other people are there still. Um, we get what I think is a excellent use of the jump scare at this you scene. Think? I think this is excellent. So, so Owen is walking up. The leaves are shaking, and out pop and scare you two compies. But then immediately after, while we're still heightened. Blue pops out, scares ah, you. Ah, you taking my notes Excellent. on that is a uh, proper that's jump a pro- scare. That's a proper jump scare, and mm-hmm. I wrote it down. I was like, "That's have a proper we mentioned jump scare. this on the podcast before?" And what horror yes. writers have said makes an effective jump scare. We it's have. not. It's not what you do in the jump. It's what you do after the jump. So it's like if a cat pops out, that's the jump scare. But what makes the jump scare effective is everything you do after that while the audience is at a heightened sense of fear where it's like the cat might pop out. But then right after that, while the audience is still heightened, the demon pops out or something. And it scared you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it scared me a little bit. I jumped. And I know what, what happens in this movie. Um, she, and I'm thinking if I'm Owen, I'm thinking it's been three years of absolute madness on this island. Like we don't know if she is wild like if she's lost her connection to him if anything like that and he's like coaxing her and then oh owen says an han solo line before he goes to meet blue and i wrote down his line he says um she she claire tells him just be careful and he and owen goes remember if i don't make it back you made me go yeah (laughs) and i was like han solo could have said that because we talked about like um, I love you. I know. Yes, that it's almost that exact line, or it's like the Han Solo, like "fuck you, I'll be fine." Yeah, thing. And so Owen Owen finds Blue and yada yada yada. They they shoot Blue. Um, oh, so, with a dart. Yes, they, and so they trank Blue, and he's like, "Why do you do that?" And then they come out, and Blue attacks one of the guys, and the guy shoots her. And I wrote down, I'm like. I know she's fine, but I'm still absolutely sad beyond belief. I just thought it was a weird thing because you knew, I guess you knew that like the mercenary guys were going to be bad because like they're always bad. Yeah. But the way that they're introduced, it it, it, it was like a black and white shift. There was no indication of these guys are kind of bad or might be bad. There's no indication that we have any villain in this movie until this point where the paleo veterinarian like comes to the aid and they shoot owen with a with a dart and they just leave him and they leave him there and then they lock claire and franklin in that underground like shelter and that's like we we while met while the volcano is literally erupting and magmas and i'm like they attempt they these mercenaries 
there's no reason to kill them. They have no reason to believe that they're doing anything bad. And then they attempt murder. But I guess so. all in, of a sudden these are bad guys. And all of a sudden it's bad guys and it becomes crazy as hell. So the volcano starts erupting. Yeah. And now Owen is left for dead and he's like kind of paralyzed. He's slowly coming out of his paralysis as the magma is getting closer, getting and, closer, closer and closer. And we get that very tense scene, I guess, of... Um, him like coming to his senses and like rolling out of the way of the magma. Claire and Franklin are below in the state, like underground in the station. Magma's dripping down and they've got to get they out. They play with shadow again. And they play with shadow again because they say, oh, there's a dinosaur coming out of that And he's like, corridor. is it a T-Rex? It's actually... An Allosaurus, right? No, it's a Baryonyx. What is that? Um, it is... I a, thought it was Allosaurus. It is a, mon- is a dinosaur they've alluded to previously in this series but they've never had like he hasn't had his time in the sun so baryonyx um means heavy claw um it's kind of it's a meeting like it's a carnivorous dinosaur it's just it has a, a dinosaur. Lo- it has a longer snoot um, it, that's why i thought allosaurus at first no it's a baryonyx hmm interesting um it's terrifying it don't care about no magma um it gets hit by the magma doesn't like- really care much still going after franklin i think the most tense part of the scene is like it pulls down the ladder and that's terrifying they almost get eat they almost get eat yeah but they don't they they go above they climb up a ladder and go above to get out of the underground area but the what is it called baryonyx the baryonyx is following them and like sticking its snoot up in the ladder little area and I wrote next. Owen comes running out of the brush, telling him to like to get to run because I wrote, "Holy shit, dinosaur stampede!" <laughs> because that's what really is happening, and this happens like during real um, volcanic eruptions or real like forest fires or real like landslides. It's like animals trying to get out as fast as they can. Yeah, all the dinosaurs are running away as the volcano is erupting and the cast is like running with them and that's kind of a cool visual that we get. Um, They get to the gyrosphere, like a a gyrosphere that was left there. And then we get a a Carnotus... Oh, I wish I could say this. Carnolosaurus. It's the villain in the movie, Disney movie, Dinosaurs. Um, Which, do you know the meaning of that word? is man-eating bull because of the two little horns. Oh, yeah, it's got little horns. Um, that horny. peek out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, this is this dinosaur has no um, awareness of the fact that they're running for their lives. He's trying to get a meal. Like, run. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this dinosaur's motivation. I And so we have this scene where they're running off the... Uh, they run off a cliff into the water... They're trying to get free. They do. This part moves really quick. So I'm going to talk about it really quick because the the scene goes by quickly. They get onto a beach. They don't know where the boat is. And they just luck out with some helicopters coming out of the smoke of the the eruption with our leading lady. Well, because the T-Rex. So the T-Rex comes in and saves Owen at one point. And I was like, I looked at Brie when I looked at Brie when this happened. And I said, so they haven't captured our T-Rex from the first movie. Does she die? And Brie's like, I 
think. But then we see her get carted off on the helicopter. So our T-Rex from the first is still walking and roaming around. And so they see where now they have an idea where the boat is. So that's where they're going to head. And they're like, we have to get on this boat. And they see the paleo um, veterinarian. Like, she's okay. I was like, they need her because she's the only one who can keep Blue alive. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, make a mad dash for the boat. And we get this cool scene where they're, like, driving the, the Jeep. Yeah, they get on the Jeep. or And they're like, they barely make it on. These are the things in my Jeep, Jeep, Jeep. And then Jeep. we get the scene that is so sad oh yeah you don't like this one where we have again we play with shadows with the brachiosaurus the sad scream and the brachiosaurus is like you can't take me with you and i know there are i know there are brachiosaurus that they took right i think i get emotional with this because i i just can't watch animals even imaginary or fake or pretend animals die like i can't do it it made me it makes me so upset i did cry when we watched this i watched when i watched this movie the first time i like, cried uh, the smoke the second, engulfs the brachiosaurus and it, it kind of cri- like, cries out but then you see like the shadow with the firelight and it's a it's a good visual it's like a nice shot um again we're playing with lighting and we're playing with shadows against the dinosaurs but an emotional scene nonetheless. And that really, if they wanted to, and Anthony and I talked about this, it could have been two movies. Okay, yeah. So Because then this is the end of Act 1. Now, this is where I think I checked out of the movie. Not that I checked out, but I think I lost a lot of interest when we shifted. And this is probably my biggest criticism of this movie is that it feels like it didn't know what it wanted to be. It feels like two movies. Well, here's where I... My first, the first act of the movie, I wrote a ton of notes. This part of the movie, though a lot of stuff happens, not a lot of stuff happens. Oh, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're... It's... And that's how I felt, too, where it's one of those moments where you're... You're saying a lot, but you're not saying anything. Because I, I, I will sum up this part of the movie for you. Bad dinosaur gets out. Chase ensues. Girl, dinosaur gets dead. Girl lets dinosaurs loose. A, a dinosaur, indeed. Uh, so we open with the Indoraptor, you know, mean son of a bee, right? Well, okay. Can we, I, I think we, we have to back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. first and set the stage here for our second half of the movie oh well that's just because that's a cut-in scene i didn't i'm gonna talk about oh. the, the boat oh okay that yeah uh, yeah i was like you're moving no because there's a cut scene here. where the little girl is in the basement watching the videos woo comes down they talk about the fact that blue's been shot he's like we need her he's like we'll get her blood We'll get her dna and he's like no we need her because she needs to be the mom this animal needs its mother needs a mother and that's where we kind of figure out why they needed blue so badly and she's trying to get away and because blue blue shows empathy like blue shows and we get the second baby video yes where he's kind of like where owen's like 
pretending to be sad or hurt and blue kind of cuddles up instead of well goes nelson at him. nelson goes at him but <laughs> blue cuddles up to him similar to how if if i show distress kaido will jump on me and be like are you okay are you okay and it also shows that blue's the pack leader because it mm-hmm. gets all the other dinosaurs to fall in line they, you said this pretty perfectly in our characterization of blue they dogified blue they, they made her loyal they made her a dog and you can definitely see that later on in the movie too where like we said earlier everybody just casually walks up to this raptor because they're like oh it's a good guy like and blue, i think blue knows the difference between good guy and bad and guy. that's the big thing about this movie it's like they know that this dinosaur knows the good good and bad guys the difference between them um so the, we get the indoraptor our first look at the indoraptor because she's trying to get away so she doesn't get discovered by the um Wu and the guy who's the ceo of his her grandfather's company and she backs into a dark hallway and again playing with shadow and then the indoraptor comes out almost grabs her and she turns around screams and gets caught so this little girl i don't think we mentioned her before that's benjamin lockwood's granddaughter we did mention that he has a granddaughter but we find out macy that while the the people are going on the island the paleo um veterinarian when franklin asks how long do they live or they should all be dead by now and she said there's no way to know how long a clone will live in an environment that it's never lived in before Mm -hmm. and so that's the first time we hear dinosaurs referred to as clones yeah and because it's because they're gonna be because it's important talking clones later because cloning is why hammond and um What's his name? Welcome to our new podcast, Brie Talking Clones. <laughs> Hammond and what's his Think the, I'm a clone. His now. last name in here is Lockwood. Ham- Lockwood. Um, yes. Hammond and Lockwood disagreed because Who they wanted had to the clone t- humans? Lockwood. Lockwood. Because his daughter had passed away in a car crash. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a granddaughter. He cloned yeah. his daughter. Because she pulls out the picture of her and her mother, and they look like identical. Well, her mother and, like, the nanny. Yeah. And it looks exactly like her. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's she's a clone. And it's like Lockwood had the well, technology. Well, does, does she have a belly button? Kyle XY. Yes. Well, that well, that's the whole thing about clones. Breed clones don't have belly buttons because they don't have umbilical cord, cords. Um, we are treading dangerously into like Star Wars territory here with clones. I I've seen enough clones to know where this is going. Um, but we get that little. He locks her in her room, and then we go back to the boat. Um, on the boat we have Blue needs a blood transfusion. Yes, so they have to get blood from a carnivorous dinosaur, preferably with two, like two to three fingers, preferably three. What's the only dinosaur on board that is exactly fits their bill? Well, that would be the T-Rex. Oh, how fantastic. So they have to go into the Rex's chamber and get blood from the Rex. Um, I wrote down I was terrified watching this scene where they get the blood from the Rex. I know that they're both okay. But it's it's like a tense scene because the the Rex is asleep, but we know the Rex could op- open its eyes at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the blood. They do the transfusion. On blue, blue is okay. Blue is safe. Um, do you I think love blue, blue? Do you think blue will make it out of the next movie safe? 
I hope. I hope that, I guess... Because uh, if we're going rules of a trilogy... Anything goes. Anything goes, right? I would hope the that, third movie. that whatever the next one leads to, if the ending result is a sanctuary, hopefully, that Blue gets that long life. Yeah. Um, also, we have to think of, if we're thinking of Scream in the rules of a uh, a third movie where they say usually you will find out something that is a twist and changes perspective on things, similar to how in uh, Return of the Jedi we find out that Luke and Leia are brother and sister. So we got to be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, We get, like, they arrive, they all get to land, and they're going somewhere with these dinosaurs right and this is where she claire finds out like this has been a double cross they're going all the dinosaurs are going to the lockwood estate um and owen and claire are driving a truck one of the workers recognizes them and like when they pull up because they were going to call the police and get this all done with gun to owen's head they lock claire owen not he did not shoot owen in no the head. gun you, to his head i was like they gun locked, to his head but he did not shoot yes yeah. claire and owen are then locked in a cage with the rest of the dinosaurs and they're like no one as far as anybody else knows they died on the island so but then the lawyer the guy who's running the lockwood estate he starts talking to them and he tells like claire's like oh, you're not gonna get away with this how why would you do this oh, you're just greedy and because this guy, did you mention this before that like what the overall thing is like they want to auction off the dinosaurs? No, so that's what they're leading up to. He yeah. wants to sell the dinosaurs for money to start their next venture. He wants to auction off the dinosaurs to rich people who just want dinosaurs. So I think this movie is kind of a commentary. At least the second half is a commentary on rich people just want to do rich people things and have things because they're cool. Right. And here's Anthony and I both talked about this. Um they undersell these well, dinosaurs. Can I, can I move to a point before this? Yes, go ahead. Um, so this lawyer dude is talking to Claire and Owen about his evil plan. I want to sell the dinosaurs. I'm going to make some money. And they're saying that's so immoral. Like these are animals that you like. These aren't just like things that you can sell off and make a quick buck. Like this is a world changing thing. And they have a conversation about exploiting the dinosaurs and the guy says you think i'm exploiting the dinosaurs like claire you exploited the dinosaurs you have your fingerprints all over the indominus rex you're the one that authorized the indominus rex you're exploiting the dinosaurs owen you're also exploiting the dinosaurs you didn't think about your years of research and training and almost domesticating raptors and how that would affect the rest of the world like how that research would affect future studies done by other people it's like you're also exploiting dinosaurs like, don't talk to me about exploiting dinosaurs and this like you guys already did it and this part of the movie goes so quickly and i have very little but I, notes but I, I think that that was such an interesting conversation that they have because this I, have, movie I has... have to agree with him that it's like especially the point he makes about owen it's you have to be very careful about what your research could lead to. And he does take accountability for that. I, yeah. He said, I, I did this. I wrote, like I gave them the information. Mm-hmm. And I think that where this movie goes is 
and something that Trevor House said in terms of where they wanted to go with the movie is not so much a discussion like the first one where it's should you play God and should you do this crazy scientific thing? It's now we've done the crazy scientific thing and now we have to deal with the consequences of doing the crazy scientific thing. Um, I think and the the lawyer guy, he kills Maisie's grandma, grandpa. Yes, Mr. Ben- Mr. Benjamin L- James Cromwell. Yes, he gets killed. Maisie's like in distress. She's in the room, right? Like she finds out she's a clone by taking the picture from her grandpa, dead area like self. And I think it's it's crazy, like that she's finding that out now. The way she's finding out, but no one's told her that she's a clone. We can assume from the photo. Yes. That she's a clone. We do get told explicitly by the lawyer guy that she's a clone later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so they start auctioning off these dinosaurs. And you were about to mention it earlier, but like we had a conversation about this during the movie where it's like. Whoever they bring, wrote this they, movie, like they had no knowledge of the value of an American dollar. That's and what I'm saying. Like. These okay. dinosaurs go for millions. So instead of they billions, bring out, they bring excuse? out an ankle. They bring, <laughs> they bring out an ankylosaurus, and they're like the ankylosaurus, super armored and like the walking tank, and they're like ten thousand, ten million dollars. And I was like, ten million dollars. That's an ins- that's an insanely low ball amount I'm, of I'm money like, for a dinosaur. A hundred million dollars would be an appropriate starting point for an ankylosaurus. For a starting point for an ankylosaurus, yes. And then they bring out the Indoraptor, and they're putting that on the market, and they're putting that on auction. And I think the Indoraptor sells for what they say is twenty eight million dollars for this like. Death one machine. of a kind death machine and my problem with this is woo's like what are you doing if this is a prototype it can't be sold they were going to eliminate it and make a new one with blue and he's like money 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 but i'm just saying like i mentioned this to you as we were watching the movie you know we're recording this on 416 elon musk just offered to buy 100 percent of twitter for like $46 billion, some somewhere along the lines of that, like $46 billion to buy Twitter, a social media company. And you're trying to sell an Indoraptor for $28 million. Like, no, what would be your, what would be your bit starting bid for an Indoraptor? At least like a billion, at least a billion. I would go higher than that for an Indoraptor. At if, least if a, a social billion. media I would, company I would, is I trying would to be spend a hundred million billion dollars on blue. I would I would. I'm just saying the Indoraptor limited edition, one of a kind death machine, that's selling for a hundred billion. It's I, gotta be a hundred billion. It's crazy. And we have to recognize so the reason everything in this movie goes south is because Owen wants to get out of his because at the same time this auction is going on owen and claire are trying to get out of the cell they do mm-hmm. this by aggravating a dinosaur um, yeah, a little, little guy with big head and those dinosaurs have very little brains like they're they're stupid um he gets out because this dinosaur is essentially a wrecking ball mm-hmm. they get he's out he's got a hard head he's got a hard head he gets out into the main area and starts, starts goring people yeah and we have to recognize the mercenary 
sees things going wrong and he wants to get paid and he walks by the Indoraptor's cage. The Indoraptor is safely in this cage. The only reason the Indoraptor gets out is because this man wants a trophy tooth, which I oh, think yeah. there's something important to say here. Like? Man's greed. Well, the whole movie the is hubris, about hubris. The whole, uh, well, I think... Sport hunting. Trophies. From sport hunting. It's like this commentary on, like, the rich. Like, they have no... But that was... Jurassic World was kind of a commentary about greed and the rich, too. It's like, should we evacuate the park? No, because we, we would lose our business. Why are we making an Indominus Rex? Because people think it's boring and we want to keep profits up. It This whole thing's about greed and about... um the rich doing things just because they're rich. I wrote this down. I'm like, what do any of these people need an Indoraptor for? It's a trophy to these people. This is just something cool. It's like when uh, Dana White buys like a dinosaur skeleton and or hangs it up in his office, you know, the rich only want things because they look cool. And I listen, if I was rich, I would do the same thing. I would have a dinosaur skeleton on my wall. If I was rich, if I had the money to afford that, but in, one of a kind limited edition death monster. No, I, I like I would pass. And I don't I don't need that. What would I do? Just like so keep it and never see it? That guy goes, he gives he darts, I think gives it one or two darts. The Indoraptor is so intelligent, it fakes that it is unconscious. Mm-hmm. The guy gets in the cage with it and it attacks him. So the cage is left open. Well, it's kind of this interesting scene where it's the camera is on. It's a front facing. Uh, it's a front facing shot of the Indoraptor sleeping and the guy like going up to it. But you can see when he's not looking, the tail moves or like the Indoraptor's eyes move, but he's not able to see what's going on. So, you know, the Indoraptor's awake, but is like playing sleep. So Indoraptor attacks him. And the the auctioneer and some other rich people are trying to get into this elevator to leave. Um, the auctioneer pushes the woman in. I think that was the stupidest idea he ever had. Why couldn't she also stay in that little uh, hidden? Yeah. Because the reason that they fail of getting away is because she screams. This is just like Halloween kills in the sense of And like- then everyone dies because she he pushed her into the middle thus causing her to scream it, and it, then they all die from this indoraptor in a attack. similar way to halloween kills it's like the people in this movie that die kind of make an active decision to die like all of them made the choice it's I the may, choices I may they have made. pissed but i wouldn't have screamed yeah like by screaming at the dinosaur you have made that decision to die yes because right? the dinosaur now whose attention was on something else is now attention by trying to go for the trophy you have made that decision to die similar to halloween kills when little john uh stands in front of michael myers and instead of says you've come home instead of running away you have then made that decision to die i said these humans get their just desserts um because all these people all the people who die in the elevator were at the auction they're bad people Mm -hmm. um again like we said Everybody in this movie that dies by dinosaur deserves to, deserves die, by. to die by dinosaur. Um, we get the paleo veterinarian is handcuffed to Blue's area. Cage. Yes. Yeah. And Wu comes in. I says he needs blood. And he's, she, she explains 
it's contaminated. He's like, I made this animal myself. No, it's not. And she's like, yeah, but I had to give it a blood transfusion from a T-Rex. And he gets angry at her. And it's like, well, that's the only reason Blue's alive. Like, yeah, what are you angry about? Like, what are you angry about? But so uh, she releases Blue. Which that was, again, my thing, like, we just casually walk up to this raptor. Like, you could have easily gotten eaten by Blue because Blue is, like, a an wild animal. An- yeah, a wild animal. But you've said, no, Blue's on my side. Yeah, apparently. For whatever reason, you thought Blue's on our side. Well, they did have a scene where Blue cries. <laughs> like, a tear escapes Blue. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Dinosaurs don't cry. Well, that we know of. Um, I would assume that they don't. So no other animal leaks tears from their with eyes this fight, besides humans. With Blue's fight with this with the men... Flammable gas gets released. There's flammable. Flammable gas. It's, we have this cool scene where like blue kind of like action hero blasts oh, yeah. out. I, I, I said to Bree, like cool guys don't look at explosions. Like even a dinosaur leaps away from the explosion unharmed. And then this is where like the whole rest of the movie can be summed up in very little time. The whole rest of the movie can be summed up in, in a in, single shot. Like there's a single shot in this movie where I said I think they made the whole second half of the movie just to get this shot. And it's when so now the Indoraptor is loose. Ch- yeah, he's chasing um Claire, Owen, and Maisie. The Indoraptor's loose and it's chasing people and now we've turned this movie from an island adventure movie to a haunted house horror film. And the Indoraptor is playing the villain. It's chasing people. It's kind of lurking around in certain spots. And then we get this shot of the Indoraptor outside of this gothic castle that is mansion that they're in. And it's on the roof and it's framed against the moonlight. Again, we're playing with light and it roars. And I told Bree... I was like, they made the entire second half of the movie just for that shot because yeah. it's a good shot. But you have, I'm, I'm sure in the writers' room, here's so my like, my theory of like, that and like this would be a great there. shot. Yeah. Um. So at first, it's chasing all three of them. Then Claire gets hurt, and Maisie to distract the Indoraptor, like goes for like running to get its attention. She runs to her room. Gets under the covers because we all know nothing can hurt you when you're underneath the covers. Everything, the world shuts down. Um, and we have, so Blue's out. The lawyer is trying to get all his stuff and get out of there with Wu. Owen is helping Claire, but Claire wants Owen to go help Maisie. Maisie's in her room. The Indoraptor's outside her room coming towards her. Gets like his little claw on it's, the it's bedspread. Like a, it's shot like a horror movie where... The monster is like slowly entering the room and you see like the claws come through the window and it... he gets right up into her bed like he's going to get her. And then we have Owen burst through. He shoots her like the Indoraptor twice, but that that doesn't stop him. And right as the Indoraptor is going to get Owen, we have our hero blue comes in and mm-hmm. attacks. So and what then... you said, you're like. How is Blue able to single-handedly, like, kill the Indoraptor? Because that, really, Blue, they get up to the, there's this, on, they're on the roof. Owen and Maisie are, like, hanging off the roof. And then 
Claire's trying to, she gets the gun with the laser and she's trying to trick the Indoraptor to go after Owen so it will fall through the glass ceiling. And it works, but then the Indoraptor is able to pull himself up and the only reason it falls and eventually gets impaled it's is because blue. blue comes from behind and attacks. What, I, here, and here's what I don't get. What beef does Blue have with the Indoraptor? So he's trying to hurt Owen. So Blue's more loyal. Yeah. Like dog. Like dog. They dogify. <laughs> this is where I said they dogified the dinosaur. Yeah. I was like, so Blue's beef with the Indominus Rex was because Blue's the alpha, not the not the Indominus Rex, right? Like that was the whole conflict there between those dinosaurs. This but one, we kind of get it to at the end of Jurassic World because- That Blue is loyal. That Blue is loyal because- it's, but it's not in the extent of this movie where, where this is like this we have a personal vendetta yes. against each other we have a personal vendetta against each other and blue's like oh you don't fuck with owen no <laughs> and so blue serve they have this cool sequence where they're both twisting midair yeah and then <laughs> the anonymous rex gets impaled and blue just like jumps off and you have this cool like pose scene mm-hmm. she's blue. doing the pose right now yeah <laughs> and then kind of blue scurries away no, and, no, no. The no. the humans walk into the room. I no, Blue scurries away before that. Oh, I thought that they walked into no. the room. I'm like, what? They just walk up to the Raptor casually. Franklin and the paleo veterinarian walk in. They see what's happened. It's like, oh, there's a dead dinosaur here. Okay. And then they get to Owen, Claire, and Maisie, and they're like, "You have to come see this." And then we get the whole dilemma with this area is filling up with poisonous gas. If it gets these dinosaurs, they're all going to die. We have to make a decision. Same as the and, one. And Owen's like, you better make the right decision because. You can't undo this. You can't undo this. This one diddle that can't be undid. Yes. So. She I, makes, I guess Claire makes the decision. Know. She does not release them. Yes. Which she makes the right call. That, that's the right call. And so Claire, Owen, Franklin, and the paleo veterinarian are all looking out kind of watching these dinosaurs. They're going to watch the dinosaurs go extinct again. Um, And then the door opens and the little girl, Maisie, has pressed the button. And her reason is, I couldn't let them die. They're like me. I, You just ruined the whole world, little girl. Because they're clones. And you she's killed clo- so many people. And she's you killed a clone. so many. You released 11 dinosaurs. And, and they could have ended the movie right here, but they don't. I'm just saying, like, I don't think this little girl thought that through all the way but i think isn't it isn't it better that it was done through the like the mistake of a child than the active like work of an adult like an adult knows what they're doing a child doesn't i do think i I think it would have been i would have been more critical had claire pushed the button than a child because a child like acts impulsively and doesn't think about their choices too much which she didn't which she didn't because if you were to sit i mean you didn't have the time to think of that decision but if you really sit down and think about it it's like the obvious choice is not to release the dinosaurs because countless number of human beings are going to die the world is going to go into chaos get plunged into chaos say say goodbye to air travel you ain't going to be in a plane anymore with pterodactyls flying around. Say goodbye to air travel. Say goodbye to sea travel because now you got uh, underwater dinos hanging around. But you have, you have the one. I think the problem arises when they reproduce. Yes. And I think that's what the next movie is going towards. 
because in the trailer for the next movie, Blue got a kid. Which we asked how, because there was only one raptor left. And Blue is the last raptor. And there's more raptors in the um in the trailer chasing Owen for the next movie. And there's like two T-Rex. So I don't know how they're reproducing. Also, like dinosaurs take a while to mature. I don't know how we have fully formed adult and like a or juvenile rexes yeah it would i'm take a little years. like weary about this next I, i'm gonna be interested in how they explain the accelerated growth i think that well i think that and that's where the whole idea of what well, other companies are going to make more dinosaurs is going to come but into play but we still play. have to explain the accelerated growth of these dinosaurs how oh, do i we- agree yeah and i don't know how they're going to do it unless they time skip and it makes it reminds me a little bit of like Avengers Endgame to an extent where our our first like 15 minutes of Endgame whatever is going to get Thanos like right after he you know snaps and he's on the garden uh, planet and then when they realize they can't undo it we time skip five years and then we pick up with our characters you know already having processed the world changed and are already accepting of it and living with it and I think that's where we're going to pick up in this next one is we're not going to see the process of humans learning to coexist. We're with, already going to ha- pick up with mm-hmm. humans and dinosaurs coexisting. Yes, we're already going to get there. Um, then we have this like little bit extra because the movie could have ended there and I would have been perfectly happy. But they, they want to wrap up everything. So you have the dinosaurs all coming out. The one lawyer guy is like, oh my God, and he hides underneath the car, which I thought was a stupid idea because he's done sort of stampeding. He's going to get crushed underneath the car. He doesn't, but he does get ate. By the T-Rex. No. Yeah. Is it the T-Rex and Karn? They, they, they split him. They split him. Yeah. They're, they're like... They cut him up. Um, And then... Once all the dinosaurs has escaped into the woods, we have a scene where it's Owen, Claire, um, and... Franklin, all of them out on the the front, and then, and then Blue strolls and Blue up. comes in. He's like, "You can go, girl," or something. No, he's like, like "Come with us." He tells Blue, "Why don't you come with?" Like Blue can freaking understand him. And it's like this is a dinosaur that you know it's got to soak its wild oats, and it really ends with Blue. Them and Blue trying to have a kid. Like Blue is running through the desert. And then they're driving. Mojave, yeah. And they're driving. And that's where we end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and Malcolm's like, this is, um, we've un- we can't undo this. This is going to be a disaster. Do you think that the next movie, now that we're done kind of talking about this one, do you think that the next movie is them fixing it? Do you think we get dinosaur extinction in the next movie or I hope not. like where do you think this ends i i don't know where this ends that's why i'm i'm, I'm waiting i have to assume breath. that this is the last movie that they want to do in the franchise because it's the end of this trilogy so i'm again it's this theme of like you've already done the crazy scientific thing it'd be, now it's it'd about be interesting living with to the see if they put these di- collect all these dinosaurs and put them on sorna i think that's the best option is we have to find every dinosaur and take it to a, an island, except for the pterodactyls who will get off of the island. But I don't know, man. I just think of like that little girl making that decision of releasing those dinos without de- knowing the consequences. The amount, the cost of human life is going to be 
astronomical. Astronomical. But you have to think but, there were kind of a lot of dinosaurs released. We were talking about there was kind of, there was a lot was a of lot them. of them. Yeah. And some of them they know is Arctic. They had two of like each, so there's possibility for reproduction. Trevor Rouse said so. The next movie he wanted to make it sort of like you're not so dinosaurs aren't super crazy populated around the earth where it's like you're running into one all the time it's like you have to deal with dinosaurs the same way you would deal with like a bear encounter in the woods like you might roll up to a dinosaur which is terrifying because some of these are like a t-rex gigantic was like a teaser the teaser for dominion was a t-rex invading a campground that's terrifying yeah it's like i would not leave my house uh, like, I would stay in a big city. I would never. I would leave. never let my dog out by itself. <laughs> I love my dog too much. <laughs> I know. Do- like dogs are the first. Because we to talked go. about like what is a what would blue eat like dogs, dogs. like yeah. the same as like coyotes and like bigger animals. But a coyote, I feel like, is a little easier to deal with than a raptor. Yeah, like I would. <laughs> I would. I mean, I still wouldn't want to f- go face to face with a coyote, but. Like I, I would, would rather face to face a coyote than a raptor. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I could probably take out a coyote with my fists. With my fists, you come near my dog, I'm gonna freaking get you. Yeah, but a raptor, I'd be like, I'm raptor, sorry. No, you got him. You got <laughs> sorry, Kaido, I'm out. <laughs> I gotta leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a fun movie to do. I thought this. I mean, I remember on our, my first viewing of this movie that I didn't pay attention to it. And I didn't, I looked at Brie when we started and I was like, I don't remember this movie at all. Like I remember the ending and like, that's it. And I remember the Brachiosaurus scene, but like, that's it. Hey, um, stop writing. You're moving my mic and it's making noise. Um, Uh, Well, stop. I am. I'm stopping. (laughs) uh, Those of you who can't see Brie is not stopping, (laughs) drawing on her notebook and our table is so wobbly that it's moving my microphone and okay, causing with, some disturbance. Continue with your anecdote. Anyway, um, when I saw the movie for the first time, I didn't pay attention to it. And now that I have paid attention to it, I guess it like I don't want to say I didn't like it, but I also didn't like it. I guess I was just like average on it. It's not the it's probably the worst of the Jurassic Park movies that I'm, I'm gonna t- I've seen. I'm going to be honest with you. It's. I love blue. I love this idea of this because raptors are my favorite dinosaur. So like, obviously, I love where they've taken blue. I don't like I don't like the switch for the focus from dinosaurs to clones. Do you understand why they I think I think logically I can you can only do open park park goes crazy. So well, many times you can only do it are... so many times. But do you do you understand the reason why blue is now a focal point in this franchise? You can make money off of toys, 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 the toys. You I can mean, sell I have, blue. You could sell. The, well, I'm proof that you could just sell. Yeah, you've blue. got a blue plushie. I have a blue pop. I have a blue pup plushie. I have Owen and baby blue. Once pop. you make an actual character out of the dinosaur, like now you can sell that. Instead of just dinosaur, well, now everybody wants that specific dinosaur because it's a character. So, I mean, it's a, a genius move on part of the studio to say, now we are taking the dinosaurs and we're making a character that we can sell. And it's a good guy. Yeah. 
instead yeah. of because like you can sell the Indominus Indominus Rex, you can sell the Indoraptor like action figures, but kids really want a, a good hero, guy. Mm-hmm. I, good guy. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that well, what you were gonna say, being completely honest, and oh, this is not my favorite. I yeah. I um I have to say, I would rank this at the bottom. If you were to rank the Jurassic Park movies, well, the first one is the is the best one. I would go probably one, two, World, three, three, and Fallen Kingdom. I would agree. Yeah. This um, I'm gonna skip ahead to. Does this make oh, my sure. my top top one? It doesn't, and it's Mm-mm. it's sad because like Jurassic Park and the Jurassic World and all that. This stuff means a lot to me as like a, a dinosaur kid. But like this movie just doesn't cut it, honestly. It, 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 I think my biggest, one of my biggest criticisms of this movie is that it didn't know what it wanted to be. Do you want to be an adventure thriller or do you want to be a haunted house horror movie? It felt like two separate movies and I felt like you could have had an entire movie about evacuating the island and that would have been a great middle movie and then you could have done another movie where it's a haunted house film. But instead, you've combined the two, and it turns into this Frankenstein's monster type Jurassic Park film where you think you're intertwining the stories, but instead, you are just, you have two separate tones and you have two separate things going on that kind of don't fit together. I would agree. You know, it just, it didn't know what it wanted to be. And there's something about being simplistic and just like, hey, we're at the park, you know. It's simple and it works and it's fine and it's great. But when you try to get too overly complex with an idea like this, it loses its magic a little bit. You know, like we don't have the magic of the first movie. Whereas I thought, I thought world, I thought world did a pretty good job at trying to get the vibe. Right. The, I, you can't get better than the original. I agree. There's like that magic of like, that's the first time a lot of people saw dinosaurs on screen on like screen. that. Yeah. And it's just spectacular. And You're dinosaurs, I know dinosaurs mean a lot to me. So I'm a little bit of emotional. So the next movie comes out in June and we will be reviewing that when it comes out. That'll but we're not going to release it when the movie comes out. We're going to give it like a month before we release. Our... To be respectful of everyone. Yeah. We might want to also review it before we. Yeah, Dude. I mean, we have the AMC A list, so like we can go to movies. Like we could we see want. it. We could see it like two days in succession. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and the first... at one at one, I would like to go to a showing where I can like bring my notebook and, and like and the write. first time we see it, we want to enjoy it. The second time, bring our notebooks and mm-hmm. write about it. Yeah, so I would agree. I don't think that this makes my my top list. Uh, do you remember your list? I have. I believe I gotta start keeping track I, of these. I believe things. I have Jurassic Park. Oh uh, well, what do you are you do you have to write right now because it's like moving my mic. Jurassic Park for sure. I know I have um, Halloween. Mine is very similar to yours, but you added you have one that's not on. My I list. have I think I have two. Jurassic Park two is on my list. I put Jurassic Park two on mine. So mine is Halloween. Halloween 2018, Jurassic Park, and Jurassic Park 2. I believe I just have an honorable mention that you don't have. I gave. I don't. I, gave, I have not been keeping I track of Halloween the honorable mention. I gave Halloween 3 an honorable mention. I have not been keeping track of the honorable mention. I think mentions. we have the same list. But I think you but added World, and I didn't add World. Maybe I did add World. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no, you added world for sure. I mean, you know, we love we love these movies. Um, but so, I, I think mine is the same as yours, except I don't have world. Probably. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, so where are we going next? This all right, is where we yeah. talk about what can you expect from the review podcast going forward? Because we have really ended our two big franchises that we've been working on. And we wanted to take it. That's the end of season one. And we want to be fresh and new for season two, the summer of movies with directors our directorial and, series our directorial and actor series yeah um the summer of serious is what i've been calling it because um we're moving into uh more so we've been tackling the halloween and jurassic park franchise and those are fun franchises to go for not super art house movies we're going to be diving a little bit more into the themes and the art house and movies that you know, are just good pieces of cinema. Martin Scorsese's version of cinema, right? It's not big blockbuster, but it's like the small art house. Um, except maybe some movies that you have on your list. But um, uh, excuse you. <laughs> so we are going to be on break next week. So next week we will not have. Um, and next week is uh, I I don't know the dates, but um. The next episode that comes out will be a week later than it normally is scheduled for. And we will be starting our directorial series for the summer. And Bree and I have both chosen a director in which we uh, have four films that we would like to cover for each director. And we'll give you a little taste of those. We're not going to tell you the films that we're going to cover, but we'll tell you the directors we have chosen. So for me, um, going along with who I am as a person. Um, the obvious choice for the director I have chosen to pick four movies from and really dive deep into Tim Burton. Good choice. I, we were discussing this at Chili's the other yeah. day and I told her my idea of like, Hey, I wanted to focus in on directors instead of franchises. I'm, Cause franchises take too long. And it's like, I think we want to take a little bit of a break from franchises after this. Um, and I was like, if you can pick a director and she's like, I already know who I would do. And you said Tim Burton. It's a great choice. A very wide filmography. From he has Tim a wide Burton range. Is super wide Even range. Though a of lot, lot of the, different things. A lot of the movies that I've chosen to to talk about kind of fall in the same genre. Do you want to give them your first movie? The first because we're so here's how we're going to do the schedule is we're going to intercut it. So it's not going to be like four Tim Burton movies and then four of my directorial pick. It's going to be like one of mine, one of hers, one of mine, one of hers. So. We're going to open up with, of course, a classic Tim Burton movie, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Great I'm excited choice. because Great choice. Beetlejuice is probably one of my favorite all-time like movies. Mm-hmm. So my director, um, I chose uh, Tim Burton. Did Tim Burton win an Oscar? Is he an Oscar-winning director? Probably I don't. Not. I don't believe I don't think so. so. But, I mean, critical acclaim for sure. Mine is Oscar-winning director, more art house, I guess, than Tim Burton. Not as wide of a filmography, but still like a very good, you know, um, solid filmography. Um, the director that I've chosen is Paul Thomas Anderson. And, and that's I, a name you hear a lot. So I love PTA. I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, one of my favorite directors and I, I just love his entire category uh, or uh, 
collection of films. And uh, we will be starting the Paul Thomas Anderson series with the movie that put him on the map. And this is the first one that is going to come out on our next episode. And it's going to be a weird one. It's going to be a weird one, Brie. Brie hasn't seen the movie before, but I have. And uh, it's going to be strange for you. It's going to be strange to discuss a very mature topic on the review I'm podcast. I'm not ready. Um, the movie that put Paul Thomas Anderson on the spot, which is 1997's Boogie Nights. Movie about the 70s porn industry. It's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to make you very uncomfortable. But here we are. We're going to talk about it. And I don't, in our discussion, we're most likely not going to focus in on the porn aspect of it, but the wider themes and ideas of what Paul Thomas Anderson wanted to get across in the movie, as well as the cast. Wow. What a great cast in the movie. Um, do you want to go into actors? Do you want us to tell them the actors we've sure. chosen? I have chosen one of my favorite. So we're, so we're going to do our director series and that'll be like an eight week thing. And then we'll go into actors. Um, you're going to love who I've chosen for my actress. Um, we're going with Meryl. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Fantastic. So these are all our second series of the summer is going to be the actor series in which we choose four different movies from our actor or actress and um, kind of put them together and kind of talk about these things. Uh, movies that this actor or actress has led before. Um, so you chose Meryl. Do you remember what your first movie in the Meryl series is going to be? I believe it is Death Becomes Her. Great choice. Which is, I remember watching that movie with my mom. Mm -hmm. Like, that's totally a mom movie. Yeah. Uh, and because so, it has Goldie Hawn in it, too. And I really love, my mom is like a huge Goldie Hawn fan, so. Yeah, that's a great choice. Um, My actor that I chose, wide depth of range in, in this actor, um, is Adam Sandler. So we'll be going through um, my theme that I, I've chosen to talk about with the Adam Sandler series is the evolution of Sandler and the evolution of the man child. Um, so we're going to start off the Sandler series later in the summer with Billy Madison. And I think that's going to be uh, as, as much as we want to disclose right now about the movies that will be talked about. So everybody already knows four movies coming up in the near future next we got boogie nights and then you're we're getting into beetlejuice and then we'll cover our other rest of our directorial series later on in the summer probably starting in july we will go into our actor series and we'll start it off with billy madison and death becomes her and we're so excited we hope you're getting excited about this because season two of this podcast is really we're we're going to cover more standalone movies. It's, it's not franchise anymore. And my whole inspiration for like wanting to start the podcast with you, Brie, was I wanted to talk about the Halloween movies. Mm -hmm. That's really when I, I wanted to rewatch the franchise. But it, it's exhausting a little bit oh, yeah. sticking with the same franchise and like not having any other thing to I could get. It gets stale after a little while, I guess, and we get like a little bored and tired. But now I feel like with moving on to something that's not a franchise, we open ourselves up to a little bit more of a range of things yeah. that we can talk about. So we're excited to mm -hmm. take you along with us. I hope you're excited and you stick with us on the review podcast for our season two. Yes. And we will begin season two with Boogie Nights. So... 
Uh, socials. I don't remember. Uh, Instagram is review underscore pod. So hit us up on the Insta. You can follow me on Twitter at GLDTV1. Brie, where can we find you? You can find me in your local library. Reading books. Reading books. <laughs> Specifically in the uh, Colleen Hoover section. Oh, yeah. That, I, you know, I have almost read all her books. I got to yeah. slow down or have nothing else to read. So, uh, great. I think that that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, you can always email us. At reviewpodcast1 at gmail.com. If you have any ideas or some actors or directors. I mean, we've you... pretty much got our schedule laid uh, out. Yeah, but... we have our schedule out. But, you know, season three, we have nothing on the horizon for yeah, that Yeah, we got to start considering for the rest of the year. Um, so, great. I think that's it. Um, good. How do you feel about being done with the... Well, we're not technically done with the Jurassic Park. I'm excited to move on to standalone movies. It's been fun. I'm glad. I, I guess I'm kind of glad season one is over. I'm ready for season two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to go. Uh, it's similar to how we left off the Halloween franchise where it's a melancholy and uh, not goodbye, but a see you later. Especially the, since we'll see you later this summer. <laughs> and on June 10th, right? Um, good. So... Let's wrap it up. Uh, we will be back, not next week, but the week after, whatever date that might be, uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson's 1997 classic, Boogie Nights. So we'll see you then. I'm Bree. And I'm Anthony. And this is a review podcast. Review podcast. Yeah. <laughs>